Welcome to The Great Asian Pushback, a series of podcasts brought to you by the Council of Asian Liberals and Democrats, or COUND. The Great Asian Pushback features stories of defiance and hope from Southeast and East Asia. Individuals, young and old, and organizations on the ground and online are assisting authoritarian regimes. There's our voices crying out for freedom and democracy. These podcasts aim to empower and inspire all of you out there who are shining the light on the darkness in this part of the world. Hello, welcome to the Great Asian Pushback, a series of podcasts brought to you by the Council of Asian Liberals and Democrats, or CALD. I'm Marites Vitug, a journalist from the Philippines, and I will be your host for this series. Myanmar is in grave crisis. In February, the generals launched a coup, ousted the civilian government, and detained Aung San Suu Kyi and other leaders. Massive protests erupted on the streets of Yangon and other parts of the country. Thousands have been arrested and hundreds have been killed. Six months after the general shattered democracy in Myanmar, opposition to the military junta continues. I will be speaking to Dr. Sasa, a medical doctor turned politician, now the international envoy for the former civilian government, which has formed the National Unity Government, or NUG. The NUG is composed of officials who have been democratically elected. They vow to get back the reins of power. Dr. Sasa, who goes by one name, joins us from an undisclosed location. Dr. Sasa, welcome to the Great Asian Pushback. Thank you for having me. So we start the conversation by maybe this uh, question about, it looks like the military junta will not give up power. So what are your immediate goals? What do you want to achieve in the short term? My country and my people are suffering and pain, especially right now with COVID-19 crisis that remain unchecked and is out of control. And humanitarian crisis is coming. 6.4 million people of Myanmar are being forced without food and facing starvation in coming month. 1.2 million people of Myanmar have fled their home due to military aggressive operation against the people of Myanmar by using blood-stained battlefield weapons. Half populations of Myanmar could be affected by COVID-19 in coming weeks. We are facing the nightmare. In these situations, our immediate plan and our short-term plan and goal is relieving our people from this great mad-made tragedy of human suffering. We are doing around the clock 
talking to international community donors for COVID-19 vaccination, our hope and prayer is that we will be able to vaccinate 20% of our populations by the end of this year from COVID-19, which have no respect for international border or not recognize any political affiliation. If we cannot control this COVID-19 new variants, there will be fourth wave, fifth wave, Myanmar will become super splendor of COVID-19 that will threaten not only the regional security, but the whole international security. So therefore, we are working around the clock, day and night, to secure the life-saving vaccinations and oxygen and secure humanitarian aid assistance to our people in these great difficulties. So what you want, what the NUG wants to happen is a pause, like a ceasefire so that humanitarian aid can come in or even during this crisis, are you seeing humanitarian aid coming in for vaccines, for medicines, for testing of COVID-19? We have been saying clear and loud to international community, to UN Security Council, that these military junta in Myanmar have a zero respect to international community. I have a zero respect to ASEAN, our ASEAN brothers and sisters. There was a five-point consensus reached in April on Myanmar by ASEAN, but nothing has been done on the ground. And we are engaging with the ASEAN Special Envoy, Dato Erwan, Office and the Brunei Ministry of Foreign Affairs, that these special envoy mission has to success because this will damage if the failure of this special envoy to Myanmar is the failure of ASEAN as a whole in, in front of international stage. We should never let that happen in our watch. So what are we doing is telling to United Nations Security Council to impose special measure on Myanmar military that they stop attacking medical personnel who are saving the life of the people of Myanmar from this COVID-19. There have been 264 attacks on medical personnel and medical facilities. More than 20 medical personnel have been killed by the military junta, and our hospitals and our medical facilities have been occupied. More than 600 medical personnel are being flooding their homes due to military junta illegal arrest warrant issued on them. This is unacceptable. Now, what's happening in Myanmar is the military junta attacking medical personnel. You know, these medical personnel are in the front lines of attacking COVID-19 and saving life. So UN Security Council, right from the beginning, have called for global ceasefire. 
No one should be thinking of attacking medical personnel in this nightmare time of the world that when we are facing pandemic. No one should be thinking of attacking hospitals and medical facilities in this darkest moment of the world. But in Myanmar, it's opposite. So you and the security council have to intervene. Our hospitals and our aid workers, our heroes of the nation's medical personnel should be protected and respected and should be set free from fear of being attacked by the military junta. And this is what is happening on the ground is military junta are not just only attacking just uh, by using very few weapons against medical personnel, but they are also trapping. They pretend as COVID-19 patient and they call the doctors. When the doctors turn up to the home, it's not a patient, it's a military gunman waiting them to be arrest, to arrest the medical personnel. And they are stopping oxygen supplies to go to the people of Myanmar. This is unacceptable. So there's a three lines in Myanmar, the lineups in front of cemetery, the lineups in front of oxygen cylinders, the lineup in front of ATM machines. That shows you everything. The rest of the world, the government responsible, government around the world are working around the clock, 24 hours a day, seven days a week to save their people's lives from this COVID-19. But Myanmar, they have stolen and take out, overrun our government, democratically elected government. So Myanmar has no government now. Myanmar is empty of the government. And these military junta, they have, it's a fell coup. They cannot do anything. Instead, they are destroying everything. They are bringing debts and destruction to the people. So the NUG, clearly, it's very clear that you are now in a humanitarian crisis. So is the NUG also working in parallel to have yourselves recognized by the UN and other uh, international organizations? The most important of all is the people of Myanmar. The people of Myanmar have spoken clear and loud in 2020 general elections that enough is enough. They don't want to live under military dictatorship anymore. They have lived under the military dictators for the last several decades of 74 years of suffering and pain. That destruction is enough. All they want is democracy and freedom to have the stable life, their prosperity, their peace, and their freedom. So now, international community, they, why UN set up? For what? The United Nations is set up for the well-being of the world, for the well-being of the people of the world. Myanmar is a part of the world. Myanmar is a part of global community. So United Nations and international community have the responsibility to respect the will of the people of Myanmar and uphold the will of the people of Myanmar. 
This is the first time in the history of Myanmar that we have a national unity government. So the people of Myanmar have accepted us as legitimate government of Myanmar. There is no other elected member of parliament in Myanmar except at UNUG. We are elected government. So I think that is very important that this separable credential UN General Assembly accept National Unity Government of Myanmar as the only and the sole legitimate government of Myanmar. In that way, we can ease this pain, suffering, and end these deaths and destructions. Earlier, Dr. Sasa, you mentioned about ASEAN. Do you think ASEAN is doing enough or to respect the voice of the people of Myanmar? You said there's a new envoy from Brunei and uh, the envoy from ASEAN is supposed to intervene and help uh, the Myanmar people. What has happened so far? ASEAN has now come out of the policy of non-interfering of a domestic affair. Now Myanmar crisis become ASEAN crisis. So that's clear. If we run away from this crisis, it's not going to work. If we try to avoid this crisis, it's not going to work because it's happening. It's a killing. The people of ASEAN in Myanmar are dying every day into this crisis. And it's a man-made crisis. So the results of ASEAN actions will be found on the ground in Myanmar, not in Jakarta or not in Brunei or not in other part of ASEAN. So it has to be clear. So ASEAN has to come up with special envoy, has to come up with inclusive strategy, inclusive structure, inclusive engagement. So that means that it has to engage everyone and everyone has to come on the ball. No one party can solve this problem. No one organization can solve this problem. So internationally, domestically, ASEAN and VOE has to have this inclusive strategy and inclusive engagements. And it has to engage with NUG, CRPH, and CSW, CSOs, ethnic arms organizations, elected member of parliaments, and of course the military junta. And then, you know, it has to engage with not only domestically, but also our neighbors, our big neighbors, and internationally with the UN, EU, and, and United States of America and Australia, UK, Canada, all these countries, ASEAN is now in the best place to coordinate everyone to come together, to bring everybody to come together and to put all pressure on the military junta to give up on their mothering people of Myanmar and to end this violence and to release political prisoners that they hold as hostage and to begin uh, thinking about how do we go 
move away from this crisis. I mean, the chaos in Myanmar is bad for ASEAN. The crisis in Myanmar is bad for China, bad for India, bad for everyone. They have to accept that if we cannot uh, control this, and if we cannot stop this, it will spread across the region and spread around the world. You said that you talked about inclusion. Is the NUG working with other groups to um, against the military junta? We are comprised of elected member of parliament from 2020 general election. NUG is comprised of ethnic arms organization. NUG is comprised of civil society organization in Myanmar, and which is comprised of political party in Myanmar. So we are the most inclusive body in Myanmar, in a way. But another hand, the military junta comprised of only military generals who tasked for power, who tasked for, they serve themselves. So we are the only legitimate the only body. So we are engaging with all the stakeholders in the country and also outside of the country. We are engaged, we are stepping and ready to engage with our neighbors, to engage with ASEAN, to engage with the UN and EU, everyone. So I have been engaging with several international bodies at the same time, have been engaged with several stakeholders inside the country. So some of the engagement we did is behind the scenes. That means that we cannot talk about it because of the security reason. It does not mean that we are not engaging. So we are going into the principle of engaging everyone because everybody has to come on board. And my country is diverse country, ethnically. We are multi-ethnic country. We are multi-religious country. Now we are bringing people together and unity in diversity become our greatest strength. That's just what we are doing. So if you're talking about inclusion and engaging everyone, is a dialogue with the generals an option or is it not? And if, if it's an option, what are the red lines or the talking points? The serious condition has to be met by the military junta before we talk about dialogue. This is a common sense that they have to stop killing the people of Myanmar. Very simple. You cannot talk to your killer. That's, that's very simple. Secondly, we exist only for the people of Myanmar. So killing of the people of Myanmar has to stop because we represent the people of Myanmar. So before we talk about any dialogue and arresting the people of Myanmar illegally and torturing them has to stop. And begin withdrawing all those military gunmen at large using better few weapons that they bought from China, Russia, and other country from the world of the people of Myanmar, they have to withdraw all those better few weapons from the neighborhood across the nation. 
then only we can think about dialogue. But we cannot dialogue anything with a gun pointed, where they smoky gun pointing on you and say, come and dialogue. That is not going to work. So dialogue is option, yes. But the condition is the option. Second step is talking about dialogue. So those practical condition has to be met. Otherwise, talking about dialogue is a waste of our time. That's, that's very clear, Dr. Sasa. How about the armed option? I understand that the NUG has a People's Defense Force. This has been reported about. So what are the prospects of really forming a unified armed opposition against the junta? The people of Myanmar have been forced to defend themselves. Early on, we call upon UN Security Council to activate the mechanism of R2P, responsibility to protect. Now, the military armed forces, every country have it. Every country around the world have military armed forces. There's no country, it does not have military armed forces. All the armed forces of the country sign up and swear to protect the country and the people it belongs. But the Myanmar, the institution of military junta, military institution known as the Tamado, it became against the people of Myanmar. That's the point. And they became terrorist organization and declared the war on the people of Myanmar. The one who swear to protect you become the one who swear to kill you. That is very interesting. That's why we call the international community. We need R2P immediately, but international community have fell on the people of Myanmar. It reached the deaf air. And now what we do? What option that we have? We like it or not, as human beings, we have no, no one is going to wait to be killed in his own home or his own village. Now, what do you say PDF, People's Defense Force? They are the freedom fighter. They are simply defending their family, their parents, their brothers and sisters, and their village and their town and city. It's very simple. If there's no military junta forces, the mothers coming to my village, there's no reason for me to defend my village. For why I defend? So what's happening is the people of Myanmar are being forced to defend themselves. That's very simple. Another hand, CDM participants, civil disobedience movement remain strong. It is the most peaceful non-violence movement against the military junta. And the military general's act of terrorism is being defeated by this peaceful non-violence movement of CDN. And nationwide protests remain strong and nationwide boycott and strike remain strong. So that shows that our action against the military junta is largely non-violence, 
and peaceful. These freedom fighters, we measure about PDF, CDF, and ethnic arms organizations are not attacking the military junta. They are only defending their people. Example, if I talk about one of uh, ethnic armed organizations, um, KNU or KIA or CNA, if there was no KNU, if there was no KIA in Kachin State, what I can tell you is that Kachin State could have been wiped out a long time ago. long time ago, I can tell you. So these people are defending uh, democracy. They are defending their village. They are the defender of democracy, defender of the freedom, defender of their villages. So they are simply being forced to do so because the killer is at large. Dr. Sasa, this looks like a long battle that you're facing, you, the NUG and other opposition groups. I would like to know, and our audience would like to know, what keeps you going? Where, where do you get your strength and your, and your courage? It's our hope. We have the hope of the future. But our future is without military dictatorship. We have made clear we have no future with military dictatorship. We have no future with crime against humanity. We have no future with human rights violation no more again. We have no future with atrocities anymore. We have no future with ethnic cleanses. We have no future with genocide. No one wanna go there anymore. But what we have seen is genocide. What we have seen is crime against humanity, atrocities. Enough is enough. Our future, new Myanmar is coming. That's where we are going. That keep us uh, that keep us going. Our future is called Fendere Democratic Union of Myanmar, where peace are waiting us, where prosperity are waiting us, where freedom, democracy awaits us, where all the rights of the people of Myanmar, regardless of race, religious, culture, ethnicities, gender will be equally respected, promoted, and protected, is important, protected by our constitution. Our constitution will be based on federal democratic principle. Our constitution will belong to the people of Myanmar, not only our generation, but for the generation to come. And our constitution will be drafted by the people of Myanmar, no more by military generals again. So the constitution will belong to the people of Myanmar and the people of Myanmar will belong to the constitution and the ownership, the sovereign people of Myanmar will have that power. So that is the future of where we are going because we know that future is much, much better. We know that there's a better future waiting us that keep us going. So we all are commitment. Our commitment is also our strength. We are committed to go to that future, no matter what.
no matter what. You will not surrender, you will not give up, you will not rest. Example, I am uh, giving my life every day on the cause of this democracy and freedom. I have no rest, you know, working around the clock. And we have been threatened by military junta every day, but it doesn't matter. We will achieve the future by laying down our life, if needed, to give our life. We all are ready. So those future are so beautiful, so glorious. That's why we are going to that future, no matter what. Yes, I, we know that you fled Myanmar because of all the threats and the danger to your life. And you said that you still receive threats until today. Are there still uh, pressure uh, coming from the junta? Are you being surveilled wherever you are? A few uh, weeks ago, you saw that uh, our ambassador to United Nations, Ambassador Ujo Milton, there was uh, two men uh, being uh, uh, there in New York, tried to harm him or kill him. And thanks to God, thanks to United States of America for standing up to arrest those two men. That shows you everything. And I am being charged with the high treasons by these military generals. In a way, I'm proud that I have been charged with high treason because I stand up for freedom and democracy and human rights and for the future of my people and country. We have a beautiful country beautiful people. And they deserve my best. They deserve our best. And we are doing so. In other hand, these are the, the, the real military generals who are committing crimes against humanity, you know, who are committing high treason against Myanmar and the country of Myanmar every day, every hour. So in a way, it's funny that they charge me with high treason when they are free. They are the, they should be in jail actually, and not 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 charging innocent people. We have why have I done wrong? I have not killed anyone. So all the arrested that they have arrested seven thousand people. They arrested for the crimes of freedom of expression. Nothing else. So that shows you that this military junta will do everything for them to stay in the power. So that has that have been what they have been doing, not only this time for, look at what they, they have done with Rohingya brothers, sisters. Look at what they have done with our monk in 2007 and what they have done with our students in 1988. And go back to 1962, even if you go back to 1947, the same pattern of crime against humanity is being committed under the watches of the successive military dictators in Myanmar. So we are basically in that danger of our life, but we know that it's dangerous, we know that it's risky, but we have no other choice. We have to do it. My final question, Dr. Sasa, it is very clear that wherever you are, you still, there is the risk really of threats to you. But for the final question, 
what would you say to people outside Myanmar who are supporting the cause of democracy and uh, sharing uh, your dreams for a, a better future? What is your message to these people? Freedom is universal. It's not only for Myanmar. Freedom is for everyone. Freedom is for all. In the way democracy, the human rights is for all, for all humanity. Right now, the people of Myanmar are defending that value of freedom, that value of democracy, that value of, so what I'm saying is, the, the, the success in Myanmar is the success in ASEAN, and the success in ASEAN is the success for the world. But this is the time that the people of Myanmar need your help and your support, and your prayer. So what we are saying is, please help us, please support us, please talk to your government about us. Please spread the news of what's happening in Myanmar to your people and to your country as much as possible. This is what exactly you are doing now. You are broadcasting about the people of Myanmar and what's happening there. This is a part of how you are helping the people of Myanmar because normalization of killing is, is not going to happen. We will never allow the normalization of people being starving to death for doing nothing wrong. We will not allow the normalization of 6.4 million people in Myanmar starving to death. We will not allow the normalization of 1.2 million become homeless just because of military generals had full task for power. We will not allow the normalization of killing of 1,000 men and women and children by these military generals in Myanmar. We will not allow the normalization of arresting these more than 7,000 people, including our leader, Dr. Aosa Suji, and our president, Uwemi, just like that. It's not normal. Even the children can see it's not normal. So how can we help? We have to talk about abnormalities of these things to our people, to our government. That it is absolutely outrageous, unacceptable. No one should accept this crime against humanity. No one should legalize this killing. So I think we should consider that the deaths of the people of Myanmar is also the deaths of ASEAN people. The deaths of ASEAN people is the deaths of the world people. So in that way, we all are in one. We all are the people of Myanmar now. We all are these victims of military junta. In that identification of us with the people of Myanmar is what the people of Myanmar needs from the world and from the people of the world. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Sasa. That was quite uh, a call. It's loud and clear, and we hope it will inspire our listeners and, and viewers. Thank you so much for making time for our interview for this podcast of the Great Asian Pushback. Thank you to our listeners and viewers for keeping us company and keep pushing, pushing back against autocracy and keep fighting for democracy. Thank you very much. And Yedopo Aoyami, revolution must win. Bye, thank you. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you. 
Thank you for keeping us company. Keep pushing back against autocracy. Keep fighting for democracy. The Great Asian Pushback is produced by the Council of Asian Liberals and Democrats. This episode was made by Marites Vito, Lito Arlegue, and Paolo Zamora, with creative input from Jaja Anolo, administrative assistance from Audi Frias and Chelsea Caballero, and editing by Point B Multimedia.